broadcasting glorious purpose across the interdimensional airwaves. This is Bo, a.k.a. Loki Variant HTJM84. And Lorraine, a.k.a. Loki Variant RVJM91. And you are tuned in to the most mischievous show on the multiverse where we are talking all things Loki. This episode, we're talking episode five, season two, a.k.a. science fiction. And you know what? We got so much to talk about, actually, this week, because not only do we have a fantastic episode of Loki, some big reveals about a lot of our characters, tons of stabs in the dark all over the place for it. But if you stick around after the episode, we got a lot of crew of Loki talk. Uh, If you're not aware, uh, we've mentioned this before. We are part of the crew of Loki, a Mardi Gras crew gearing up for our second year of marching with Chewbacca and uh, very excited for that. If you want to learn a little bit more about behind the scenes of some of the throws that we'll have this year, or if you just want to have kind of, if you actually, if you have any questions about kind of Mardi Gras or Mardi Gras cruise in general, feel free to send those in to us as well. You can do that at show at LokiTVTalk.com. That's coming at the end of the episode. That's not for everybody. That's just for those of you who want to know, but for the rest of you who are ready to get into this week's episode, Lorraine, so shall we do this? Let's do it. Let's jump into the room down. Episode five of season two, the penultimate episode of season two, science fiction, directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Lorraine, what happened this episode? Loki survives the explosion, but everyone else has vanished, and the TVA headquarters spaghettifies. Loki escapes as he begins time slipping again, taking him to the branch timelines where his friends Mobius, Hunter B-15, Casey, and Obi were reset to their original lives as Don, Dr. Verity Willis, Frank Morris, and Dr. A.D. Doug, respectively. Wanting to time slip to before the explosion, Loki enlists Doug's help. With Loki unable to control his time slipping, Doug proposes Loki gather everyone present at the explosion back together so that their collective temporal aura can send them back to the right time and place. Doug builds a Tim pad using a TVA guidebook that Loki kept. Loki succeeds in gathering everyone else to Doug's workshop except Sylvie, who has retained her memories. Refusing to help, Sylvie gets Loki to admit his true motivation. He wants his friends back and fears being alone. When everything in Sylvie's timeline spaghettifies, she goes to help Loki. However, Doug's workshop workshop also spaghettifies, as do Frank, Doug, Don, Willis, and Sylvie. Loki finally controls his time slipping by focusing on a person. Declaring he can rewrite the story, Loki time slips to before the explosion by focusing on Obi. All right. There's, there's, there's a lot to unpack here, but, and I, let me just start off by saying this. I actually put out a kind of a very quick video on, uh, on the TV talk YouTube channel kind of going into this, but what this episode did very well is essentially it used the, the storytelling device of an entire episode for the most part that exists on a branch timeline with a lot of characters that ultimately get eradicated and Loki backs up to a point in time where an argument could be made that none of this matters. And yet it matters so much because what we got in this episode, we got the reveals of who all of our prime characters were before the TVA. We got an idea of their motivations. We got a, a lot of like teases at what could be going on in kind of a broader concept. It felt very much like this episode. We got the origins of the TVA and then they do a bait and switch. And that's not the case. Or is it? I would argue that we, we probably are going to go back to this, you know, this this origin moment of the TVA. But we'll have to we'll have to see where it goes. There's a lot of stabs in the dark we're going to take. A lot of things that we got. 
we did finally get a chance to see Mobius on the jet ski. It's kind of honestly, it's kind of hard to even know where to start because there's so much to unpack here. Let's talk about Loki. He is time slipping. Uh, and there's kind of this question of what is really the motivating factor here. One of the things that has been discussed is that while all of us have just kind of accepted the weirdness of the show, the fact that Loki not just is time slipping in the TVA, but is time slipping in general. I don't know that we've really given a lot of effort into thinking why that's happening. We've kind of written it off as though it had to do with, you know, him getting pushed out by by Sylvie and something that maybe she did or something connected with being at the that point at the end of time. But Sylvie has returned as well, and she's not time slipping. And so there's kind of this question of what's really going on. Yeah, I can't really figure out why he started time slipping. The only thing I, I can imagine is there's something. So since the TVA is cyclical, there's something about him pruning himself that you're not supposed to prune yourself. There's not supposed to be two versions of you at the same time. And he pruned himself because he was time slipping. But did that start the time slipping? Because which came first, chicken or the egg throughout all of the TVA? So that's that's my only theory I've got. See, all right, you've, you've mentioned this one before. I know that you're like really, really kind of hooked on the concept of time slipping or the when he pruned himself. And I get it. Like the whole concept of pruning yourself is it should send you to the void and it didn't send him to the void. But that was because of what Obi was doing. Like, I feel like they hijacked his temporal aura in that moment to do what they were working on with the uh, the time loom, which admittedly was a couple of weeks ago now, and I can't quite remember. But there was a reason why that happened that I feel like that loop has already been closed. For me, I think it's fascinating that at the beginning of this episode, despite the fact that uh, He Who Remains, Kang, does not appear in it at all, for the previously on, we went all the way back to the season finale last year with Kang talking about how he planned all of this. He wrote all of this story. Like he he laid out the map. And I know that's kind of building to the end, right? Loki's like, ah, I'm going to rewrite the story. Kang wrote a story, or rather he who remains wrote a story, and now I'm going to rewrite the story. But to me, I wonder if even in his time slipping is still part of the narrative, if you will, the story that he who remains himself, timely, whoever you want to call him. This is all still part of that. If you think about when Loki time slips, he specifically time slips to moments that bring him like the, it's almost like the plot is driving him as opposed to him driving the plot, which to me communicates that the writer is still writing. Everything we saw about Victor Timely in last week's episode where he was kind of, you know, dancing around with the hot hot chocolate machine and everything and then he snaps his fingers and the guy is gone and it's like he's shocked but at the same time it's almost as if he knew everything that was going to happen. And so even like, you know, oh, it, it's got to be me that goes out there. Like everything, they still feel like dominoes are still being knocked down throughout. And Loki time slipping seems to be very much part of those dominoes. He goes into that moment of time where he sees himself, he says hello, he disappears. A few moments later, he picks up the book that he sees himself holding. He hears his past self say hello. He's got that whole, you know, bootstrap cyclical thing that's going on. This is all building up, of course, to when he finally learns how to control it. That's when things change. That's when Loki becomes kind of the he who remains, right? Because now mm -hmm. he's no longer time slipping to a point in time where he already exists. Now he can actually relive a moment in time and change it and alter it as opposed to being an active participant in someone else's story. Does that make sense? Yes. So when he says he's been pulled through time, he's literally being pulled through time by the author of the story. Exactly. 
which I think is he who remains. If, if uh, Westworld, if you think about it, did you watch Westworld? No, but I'm very familiar with the premise. Okay, well, so I this is kind of spoilers for Westworld, but that series has been out for a while. At the end of season one, the creator of this kind of robot theme park is killed by his very creations, the robots themselves. And this is all part of a narrative that he himself has been kind of writing because he wants his robot creations to rise up and free themselves and to kind of dominate mankind and to basically punish him for the sins that he himself is also responsible for. So they kill him. But after his death, he is still like, because he programmed this story to to, to play out, there's a little boy robot in the park that represents his voice and still speaks to some of our main characters. And, you know, at this point he's dead, but because he planned it all out this way, he's still able to influence the story after he's gone. I feel like that's perhaps what we're seeing with he who remains in some form or fashion. Obviously, you know, we see Miss Minutes say that to, uh, to Renslayer. Like he wanted you to come here. He wanted you to get this book. He wanted you to hand this. We're still in, you know, like the, all story. of this is still in the he who remains story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And maybe because he talked about at the end of last week or last season, how, you know, we, we've come to the moment where I don't know what happens past this, but maybe it's because what he's doing is he's giving up that, that choice because whether or not it kicks off the parameters that starts essentially season two, which yes, he has written out. He doesn't know if Loki and Sylvie will choose to go down that route. If they will actually choose to do what is essentially being done, which we don't fully yet know. We don't know what he who remains motivations are. Maybe he was bored. And so he wrote a new story for himself. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's not just, I want to give up. Maybe it's like, no, he wants to do something new and different and creative. So I don't know. I mean, there's, to me, it seems like whatever has been going on with Loki up until the moment where he truly gains control of the time slipping has still all been he who remains. It's been ripping him from time, from this point in time, from that point in time, even across all of these different branch timelines, all of this was pre-written. All of this, like the destruction of the of the loom and everything else, it's all part of Victor Timely, aka He Who Remains, aka Kang's plan. And it could be since Miss Minutes is helping play out some of his plan by dropping off the TVA book, maybe Miss Minutes is pulling Loki through time, and that's why he's time slipping because she got orders from He Who Remains. What's wild to me is that if if the rumors are to be believed that this the end of season two will not be quite the setup for a next season like season one was, it'll definitely set up some things for the MCU as a whole. But for the most part, there's going to be a sense of closure. Now, there's also been discussion that that doesn't necessarily mean there won't be a season three, but it just won't be quite the, you know, the handoff, you know, the, the setup for handoff like like season one was which was a, a a delight. You know what I mean? Like to come to the end of Loki and especially after WandaVision where you just assume that these are going to be like one-off Disney plus series. And you're like, Oh, we're going to get a season two. Okay. All right. This is great. It's going to be different this time. And I'm very eager because we have so much left. That's like up in the ether with, with all of this stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Like what's going on with Miss minutes. What's Victor's like, what has been Victor's timely's whole thing this entire time? Like what, what's Renslayer's ultimate goal? What is, you know, it, what, what's the Kang of it all? And then Loki now has control. What does that mean? Did we just see the origin of the TVA? I still think so. We'll get more and in, kind of deeper into that as we go along and talk about some of these other characters. But yeah, there's just there's so much ground to cover here. Yep. I, I just I don't know how they're going to be able to answer all these questions that we have in the finale. 
unless they make it like a five hour finale. So I, I imagine maybe well, it, it, they <laughs> might be like an hour and a half. Sometimes they'll do that kind of thing. Yeah, I really hope so, because I'm going to go crazy if I don't know how everybody at least leaves off at the end of a of the finale. But, you know, we'll see. So let's talk about some of these, uh, some of the variants of our our kind of our, our primary team Loki, if you will. Who do you want to start with? Let's go with Obi. Oh man, J- diving straight into the deep end. Okay, Obi. Uh, first things first. Um, we find out we were wrong, Lorraine. To the to the best of our ability, we I know we, we were wrong. Obi, not an uh, LMD. I was uh, devastated. He- <laughs> but I would argue. We were potentially right from a certain point of view of I still stand by the him as Yomengander for this universe because so much seems to be surrounding Obi being the one that is creating the time loop of everything. Uh, Mm. Not the least of which is the fact that we've got Obi, a astrophysicist, uh, scientist and science fiction writer who is into kind of aliens, time travel goodness. He's got it all. Everything one might need to establish not just the TVA technology, but also the lore of the TVA in the form of the timekeepers, which have always felt very pulp science fiction-y. And here now we're introduced to the origins of Obi, who's exactly the kind of person for that. His book, The Zartan Contingent, I'll never forget. After first episode this season, when I was like taking meticulous notes, watching the end credits, I saw the book, The Zartan Contingent. I looked it up online. I was like, what is this? That seems so marvel-y, so science fiction-y. And there was nothing really there that could connect. And now we know that that was Obi's book that has been just waved in front of us at the end of every single episode. Huh. Is is there a character named Zartan? Like, do we know what the Zartan contingent means? There is, but like it's like spelled with an X and it's not it's it's not connected. You know what I mean? Like it's it's more of like a it's a sci-fi e name, but I, I don't mm-hmm. think there's a there's a direct connection. I was wondering about that. But to be fair, I mean like it's kind of like Agatha Harkness, right? Like the the whole the the concept of Putting a character that's just a slight bit off from a character that we know that's actually connected with the main character's comic books, the audience is going to figure that out quick. And so you do kind of have to go with something a little bit out of left field with with these types of things. And they did a pretty good job. I mean, they, like we were guessing a lot about a lot of these characters and who they were and who they are and, and that sort of thing. And so from that standpoint, I love the fact that that's just been a little clue, if even that, since the beginning. And it does show that those books are in the TVA. You know what I mean? Like whatever happens, the variant of Obi that is responsible for the creation of a lot of this TVA tech and the TVA writing and everything else. He brought his books along, you know, He, he, he brought his, you know, his work along with him. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So he's got a copy of his book his TVA book in his branch timeline. Then he's got a copy of his branch timeline book in the TVA because he's Yeoman Gander and it's a giant Well, and this is the thing. I would not be shocked to learn that in the Zartan contingent, we see like, if he starts to at some point open it up, we're going to see pictures of the timekeepers. You know what I mean? And the idea Mm -hmm. is that like, he literally like, this was part of the narrative that he wrote for his book that nobody would ever read. And so what did he do? He ends up forming a cult, essentially, <laughs> where literally the timekeeper, I mean, like basically 
He's what's his face from Scientology? What's his face? L. Ron Hubbard. He's yes, L. Ron he Hubbard. A, Obi he is a L. Ron Hubbard. Fiction author who created a quote unquote religion around his science fiction. It's the same. It's the, like that's what Obi is. Like I, yeah. I, I guarantee it. I would put money on it that the Zartan contingent contains the Timekeeper characters that he is going to base the the myth, the mythology, the orthodoxy. All of that is going to be around the Zartan contingent. I guarantee it. Yeah, I see it. I can see it. Yeoman Gander is L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> I mean, kind of. That's kind of what I was thinking. The only difference is like, he's got, you know, the actual science background to back it up. So he could actually build a tin pad in 18 months or was it 19 months because he had to take a month off to move out of his house. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not only yeah, his wife leaves him, he loses his job. He has to move out of his house. It's interesting that throughout this episode, Loki's just casually ruining people's lives. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, it, it's, it's, like the TV is better for them anyway. There. Yeah, because you're like, you know, jacking up their original lives. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I have more to say on that when we get to Mobius. Okay. All right. So fair enough. But that but that's the great thing. It's Loki at the end of the day. He's still a villain. You know, like he, he may be yeah. our, our uh, the savior of all of reality, but he is still a villain. And so he's just casually ruining people's lives and letting mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> criminals free and all this all this great Loki stuff. I mean, ultimately, I think for OP, it worked out the way he wanted to because he became a bestseller. Well, I mean, did That's people all- buy it, though? I guess they read it. That's what in, he the, TV- in the TVA. It's on every desk. They've got a copy of his book with his picture in it because he puts his picture in all his books. There you go. Okay, so we also find out, of course, in this episode that uh, that so he is originally from 1994. Obi specifically is originally from 1994, and not only that, but his office in 1994 is his office in the TVA. Mm. Exact room, the exact layout. It's an awesome, awesome building. We also get some casual drops to the fact that you know, oh, it's perfectly safe here. There's nobody around for miles. Hmm. Interesting. What seems very interesting about all of this is that Obi's office seems to be the heart of the TVA, which was the name of last week's episode. Like the previous episode was called the heart of the TVA, right? I'm starting to think that Obi's office is quite specifically the heart of the TVA, not just because we've seen that before, but I have a feeling whatever is about to go down to save the multiverse is going to happen on Obi's timeline. And from the remains, the TVA will be born. So do you think that the TVA office that's Obi's is a copy of his office or it's actually the same office and they built the TVA in Obi's fringe? Wow. Yes. Yes. I think that's exactly what it is. I think, I think that Obi's office like will be kind of the bunker in which they like the time bunker to some extent that they survive whatever happens to that particular reality. And there from there, they will build what comes next. You think about, you know, so uh, what did we see in you know season one with the kind of the, 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 the classic Loki, right? The, um, the wealth of power that he has access to is beyond what Loki even is aware. And like him and Sylvie together, we've seen they still have the ability that when they work together, they can create like impossible things, impossible structures. I think what we'll probably end up seeing is in whatever that that room is, 
Loki and Sylvie working together, tapping into their sorcery and hopefully donning their classic costumes. Cause I could use a lot more green and gold than we've gotten this season. If I'm being totally honest, like, you know, I need, I need my horns back. We gotta, we gotta, yeah. you know, we gotta have Loki being Loki. And in true MCU, you know, Disney plus fashion, I'm sure they'll be, you know, donning the the correct costumes by the end of the episode or by the end of the season. But I have a feeling that we will see them literally create the TVA in that way. And that Loki and Sylvie, ironically, Sylvie will be the, the, you know, uh, part of that creation. Wow. So Sylvie will build the thing that she spent her entire life trying to destroy. Exactly. That's 1994. That's Obi. All right. Next variant. Which one you want to jump to? Um, let's go Casey. Okay. Casey, Frank Morris, actual, uh, Alcatraz escapee from history. Uh, we now know is Casey here. Um, you know, he uh, is very eager, not just to escape Alcatraz, but get to Robin banks as soon as humanly possible. Very excited for that. Um, the actual Frank Morris, if I'm not mistaken, is lost to history. We don't know what happened to Frank Morris. And so it's fun that the MCU is kind of playing around with that concept, uh, with, a nod to well, we don't know what happened to him because Loki plucked him out of the timeline, and that's that's what happened. Exactly. Yeah. It does make one wonder if Casey back at the TVA, you know, he said like, "Oh yeah, everybody's got Infinity Stones as paperweights." Do they, Casey, or is maybe that a little klepto that you've got got still going on in your system? It does seem like every character does have a piece, like they carry a piece of them, no matter if their memories are wiped or not. Like DNA is the same. Like they're they're driven by the same things in the TVA that they were in the real world. Yeah, there was nods to back and forth. Like, doesn't Loki in season one like threaten to gut uh, Casey like a fish? And Casey's like, "What's a fish?" And then here we see um, uh, Frank, you know, threatening to gut one of the people as a fish. There's a lot of quotes uh-huh. from season one that get thrown into this, both back and forth in that kind of way. Casey takes everything in stride. I feel like at first he has the most natural reaction of everybody and seeing all of this stuff go down and being very confused. So for all these characters, are they like, did they create a Nexus event by Loki? Cause Loki can't control his time slipping yet. Right. So he's time slipping to Casey. He's time slipping to Mobius and everybody. Maybe that would be like a random time slipping since he can't control it. But because he did this time slipping, maybe those were all their Nexus events. And that's why they were pruned from the timeline and ended up at the TVA anyways. What if he's creating Nexus events for these people? Because they're not supposed to be, you know, going to do whatever Loki's getting them to do. So that's why their timelines were pruned and they joined the TVA in the first place. Without the TVA to... to do anything about it nexus events don't necessarily work any like matter anymore i guess it's just the thing of like it's all a loop so it's like when when uh loki says to mobius the thing about the the uh, jet ski like oh a beautiful you know marriage of form and function or whatever it's like mobius was unfamiliar with that term it seems so loki gave that to him first but he had that quote in his dna so when he was at the tva that's how he's describing jet skis I don't know. Just a thought. Just a thought. No, that's good. Let's let's talk about let's talk about Mobius uh, and Loki meeting up here because it's one thing that's very notable is the year, right? So this is the year twenty twenty two, which is uh, interesting for two reasons. One, I feel like Mobius should know Loki when Loki walks in in the year twenty twenty two. Like if if it's twenty twenty two, Lorraine, and you're working in like a jet ski, ski shop. Okay. And then all of a sudden Osama bin Laden ro- walks in. I would recognize him and you would out. recognize him. 
You know what I mean? Like, and you have to think about it. And I know that might sound kind of crazy, but like, you have to remember like the Avengers movie was a, was, I mean, it was a, it was a nine 11 revenge film. Like when it all comes down to it, that's essentially what the Avengers was. It was New York getting attacked kind of seemingly out of nowhere. And the event, but this time in this universe, we have the Avengers who can stop it and send the bad guys back up in space and just blow up one ship. And then everybody disappears and there's no problems. Everything's fine. But no, the original Avengers film that it was a nine 11, uh, like revenge fantasy for Americans. And so if you kind of look at it through that lens, if Osama bin Laden came walking into your jet ski store in 2022, I don't know that you're going to be like, Hey, the donuts are great. We've got, you know, I think you want a all terrain vehicle. I got just the thing for you. You know what I mean? Like, I think you're going to be like, what are you doing here? <laughs> you're supposed to be dead. You know, maybe in his timeline, there is no, the Avengers. So that's interesting. That, that was the, like at first, that was the, what I was thinking as well. Perhaps we're looking at a branch timeline where something had varied. Maybe it's a variation where the Avengers don't exist or Thor never came to Midgard or, or what have you. That's possible. But here's the other thing, because there's a fun notion that we can also play around with in this timeline as well, which is that Mobius in 2022 mentions his wife is long gone. We don't necessarily know why. However, there was events that occurred a few years before this and has not been yet undone where his wife may have been snapped. Oh, interesting. So depending on what's going on in Mobius's timeline, there's a lot of very potentially interesting things that he has currently experiencing or is not yet experienced or never experienced. We just don't know. But one of the things that did stick out to me the largest was he should know who Loki is. Well, what's interesting is when Loki walks in, uh, Mobius is like, hey, weren't you here the other day? And the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, he's just mistaken. But the second time I was like, does Loki end up time slipping to a previous day? So he actually does remember him. I don't know. I I don't think that's it. I think that was Mobius trying to be like, oh, no, no. You know how it is. Like, have you ever worked sales? No. Ah, see, but that's how it is in sales. When people come in, they're like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I remember you. You, you came in. Yeah, yeah. We've been talked thinking about-, about getting a jet ski for a long time, and today's yeah. the day you're gonna buy it. Exactly. So you got, okay, you got to okay. work, you've got to work that connection and and the familiarity and everything. So no, I think that's just Mobius being full on salesman mode, which he certainly was. Now you said you got some thoughts on Mobius here. Um. Yeah. So Loki's whole thing with him is like. Mobius, like you've said, you've only ever been happy at the TVA. Mobius is a guy who's going to be happy no matter what he's doing. Like he <laughs> absolutely loves selling those jet skis. Like when he turns into spaghetti, he's like, I got to go back to see my boys. Like he, like no matter what he's doing, he's going to be like, yeah, so this is like the greatest thing for me to be doing. And I think that's in his DNA is he's just like a chill, happy-go-lucky kind of guy. And it's really selfish for Loki to be like, no, you're only happy when you're my best friend. I mean, yeah, it's Owen Wilson. He's like, yeah, he's he's like, oh, wow, the TVA. Oh, wow, I'm a dad of two people. Oh, wow, my wife's dead. He's just like, just, yeah. oh, wow, there's donuts. You know, like he's just, he's fine. He's going to be and okay. And he always is loving his food. He loves his pie. He loves his McDonald's. And he loves his donuts. Yeah. Okay, so I was curious about this because so does this negate in your mind the theory that Mobius is no longer the young McDonald's employee? Well, when Loki starts time slipping from place to place and he popped up in McDonald's, I was like, oh, is that because he's like searching for Mobius and that's why he popped in there? But then they showed Sylvie back at the McDonald's. Right. So I mean, the theory, I think I I think the theory is still there that that was young Mobius, but 
I guess it. I guess I'd have to do the math on the year of the McDonald's See, and the year of 2022. That's the thing. I did not pull the date for that particular year. I should have, and and it's just now coming it's to me. Like, oh, 80s. you know what? I guess if the math lines up, that. That could actually still fit. We just we just have to see. I don't think it negates it though. He does spend the most time with Mobius because of their kind of their their personal connection. There, there's kind of a bestie, you know, thing that's going on there. And with Mobius, he shows him, like, look, no, I can bring you exactly back to this, you know, moment in time. And we see yet again in this episode that, you know, he's he's watching events occur from that same point in time. He's not replacing himself. He's not rewinding time. He's traveling to a point in time, right? And, uh, and which is important because of course that comes back into play once he actually controls his own time slipping. Um, you know, we get the motivation for Mobius, what he's all about. I like how they, they play this up of like, okay, Owen Wilson's not about to abandon his children. Like we're not, I don't think we, we could rock with him if that's what's going to happen. Like, yes, Loki is casually destroying people's lives, but I don't know that we could like really rock with Mobius if we knew he was abandoning his kids. Loki sets it up really well. Like, no, the entire reality, your boys are in danger. If you don't come with me, they're going to be eradicated from existence. And not only, and it's not like you have to like leave them and abandon them. I can bring you right back here once the, you know, the problem has been solved. And it's like, okay, no, that I can get on board with. I can even get on board with, Mobius choosing the TVA, knowing that he's going to exist for like eons and know that ultimately he can be returned to this moment in time. This is the future at the end of Mobius's time. You know what I mean? This is kind of the the heaven, if you will, the the eternal reward for his service at the TVA is to be returned to his boys who will be safe, you know, albeit just children but like you know living out their life on a world and on a timeline that's not about to be eradicated yeah he does make a convincing argument for Mobius to join him now here's the deal we talked about obi and you know he's got his whole background thing and he's over here trying to swipe things and all that kind of good stuff talked about mobius you know and he's got his whole thing uh we talked a little bit or rather we talked about casey rather than obi uh we, we talked about all all, all of these there's one variant that we didn't get much about. In fact, we've got one character on this series who tends to get absolutely nothing every single episode, and that's Hunter B-15. So some we got some interesting things about Hunter B-15, but they're like potentially interesting off screen. They're not like, you know, they're not quintessential to the story. They don't really give us a whole lot about who she is. I do think there's something interesting about the nature of Hunter B-15 being this hunter and destroyer in the TVA. And yet on, on the timeline, she was a healer and kind of this kind and gentle person. And so kind of that, that dichotomy of being so very different from who she was, it speaks to, to some extent, what we've seen from a lot of uh, these characters. But here's the thing. With Hunter B-15, I feel like they rely on a lot of what you know outside of this for her to be compelling as opposed to giving her a compelling story or having her have a compelling role in the story other than just being there. So specifically, we learn in this episode, her name is uh, Verity Willis. So interesting character. This is somebody from the comics, specifically from the Agents of Asgard or Loki Agent of Asgard storyline, which a lot of this TVA stuff is very heavily based off of. Um, this is a very interesting character in that she is Loki's first human friend. So the Mobius of that story, essentially, <laughs> like she would be kind of the, 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 you know, the human counterparts that Loki would actually kind of connect with. 
She also has a very interesting power in that due to swallowing a magical ring, like you do, uh, she has she's capable of detecting and seeing through anybody's lies. And so this kind of creates a unique relationship in the comics between her and Loki. Loki, who is very much kind of a prince of lies and a trickster, is unable to get anything by her because she can literally see through everything that he says. And therefore, they can have, for the first time ever, a very authentic relationship. Or Loki, rather, can have, for the very first time ever, an authentic relationship. None of that's happening here with V15, but V15 is a reference to a character from the comics. I really wish she had more of a point and purpose. I felt like it was very yeah. interesting that Casey got like a bit of a glow up in this season mm -hmm. and B15 who had some, like she had more to do last season than she had this season. And she didn't have just a whole lot to do last season other than being a catalyst for, you know, the rest of the TVA kind of learning everything. So I don't know thoughts. Yeah. I think maybe you can kind of see her, you know, DNA as a very compassionate person come through in season two and then you can go back to see like oh she's you know she works with kids she's very caring and helps heal people so i mean that's interesting because she's been forced to be a hunter um but other than that just being kind of a interesting thing like i, I don't know I, maybe she'll be huge in the finale but other than that i i don't really know it's possible. I mean, like I, I do. I think there is something to be said about the horrific nature of being forced to live out an existence that is so opposed to who you are at your core. Right. And I think that that's what she kind of embodies, but we don't spend enough time with her to really even get with that. Like we see her see Loki, Loki like says something to her. Then she's just sitting in the room with the rest of them. She has a quick conversation about jet skis with Mobius, which is really just kind of a Mobius joke. And that's kind of it. We don't really get a chance to spend much time with her or really even learn that much about her variant. Now, that being said, she's pulled out of the year 2012. And 2012 is one of the most important years in the MCU. That is the Battle of New York. That is Loki attacking New York City. Two things. One, clearly that has not happened yet because I feel like in, you know, in 2001, if 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 in 2020 wait 20 if in 2022 Osama bin Laden walks into your jet ski shop like one could might be forgiven being like oh, that guy kind of looks like Osama bin Laden but I'm not going to yeah. be like that guy type deal but in like 2001 if Osama bin Laden walks into your New York hospital you're going to react in a little bit of a different way than she reacted you know what I mean and so my guess yeah. is that the Battle of New York that Loki's invasion of New York has not happened yet interesting. I wonder why they put her in 2012, New York. Are it's they going to go back there? It's a very specific date, isn't it? Yeah. I think that we're going to revisit perhaps some of these dates. Is this how Casey's going to get the Infinity Stones? Is that what we're going to find out in the finale? <laughs> that would be... Yes, that's hilarious. That'd be hilarious as they're going around. He's just kind of swiping them left and right, getting really yeah. excited about what they can do, and then getting back to the TVA and finding out they don't do anything like, oh, oh hey, guys, who wants a paperweight? <laughs> <laughs> that could happen i think that'd be great okay cool well there you go that's them sylvie of course uh is chilling out in a bar she orders a bourbon the bartender says great choice sylvie <laughs> like <laughs> what she didn't even tell you what kind of bourbon she wanted exactly exactly yeah <sighs> like you gotta be specific i've never said two bourbons please oh great choice lorraine <laughs> <laughs> 
that was odd. Uh, maybe they, maybe there was an intention to partner with somebody. Like you know, you think about. Uh, oh yeah. In uh, what was it? In Secret Invasion, how uh, Nick Wayne's? Fury has an entire scene with Skrull, uh, uh, with Scroll Rody, Scroll Scrody. And they're literally like, they just spend like half an hour talking about how great Pappy Van Winkle is. So maybe oh, it's like, Pappy. I, I think I saw Blatant's in another episode of a MCU thing. And uh, I, I think there's a thing about bourbon in the MCU. I think they someone in charge really likes bourbon. It's my maybe that's it. Maybe they were getting a bunch of like free bottles from Buffalo Trace. And then all of a sudden, like that well ran dry. So it's like, well, fine. Bourbons, please. She's not going to order, you know, whatever. <laughs> And I mean, it's the 80s, right? That was not a great time for bourbons. That's why it was a great choice, because everybody else was ordering gin. Yeah. The dark ages for bourbon. It really was. It really was. So she was making a good choice. But that's the point, right? She was making a choice. It accents the moment in which she's saying, hey, we did the thing. We blew up the, the loom. The TVA is gone. It's the big bang of the new universe. And everything is great. Because now all of these people, and especially me, have choice. And she chooses two bourbons. She wants to know what is driving Loki, though. Now, earlier in Loki's journey with Obi, they have a great conversation on the nature of you know, science versus fiction. You and I, actually, you were visiting town recently, and, and I kind of shared with you some of my philosophy on this and how we sometimes focus too much on fact and we miss the truth that exists in fiction. And so, like, that's very much what Obi is kind of driving across here uh, early on in the episode by saying, okay, look, one way or the other, you're doing something that's impossible and you have to do something that's impossible. By the very nature of you're able to do the impossible, that means it's probably something you can do. But the question is not the what or the how, because the what and the how don't make any sense. That's impossible. It's the why. What is ultimately driving you? And that is Loki's journey for this episode, is trying to determine what it is that is ultimately driving him. And he determines it's not the why, it's the who. It's the people in his life. His entire life, he was uh, raised on Asgard as somewhat of an outcast. He was always in his brother's shadow. He was never his father's favorite. He was never going to be king. He tried to conquer New York. He gets defeated. All of the, everything in life, you know, as we saw kind of in the in the previews, even uh, or even the, as the, uh, when the logo is playing with a lot of clips from previous episodes and from Loki's life, it's Sylvie's voice saying, "Do you think what makes us lo- what, what makes a Loki a Loki is that we're destined to lose?" He's been constantly losing, and yet, what does he gain in the TVA? He gains friends, he gains family, he, he gains a community, and he doesn't want to lose that. Sure, not dying is also great. All of existence existing. Very good, but his ultimate motivator, just like Mobius with his children, is that he wants his family. He wants his friends back. And mm-hmm. once he gains that, that's when he's able to gain control of what's going on with his time slipping. Sylvie, though, Sylvie is unlike the other variants. Whereas the other variants all kind of, you know, have no memory of the TVA, they're all at various points in their origin story. We're not on Sylvie's origin story, we're on Sylvie's continuation of her story and her personal timeline. Yeah. The first time I watched it, I was super confused. I was like, nobody remembers Loki. Sylvie knows everything that happened. How did how does that happen? Is it because her memory was never wiped? And she's she's only ever been one version of herself since her quote unquote branch self is the one that's just been jumping through time. So there's no TVA Sylvie versus real world Sylvie. There's just the one. And so she contains all of her memories, including when the loom explodes. I mean, she still has the temp pad, right? We haven't seen her lose that temp pad. Yep, she still got and, it. 
we saw her getting around with it this particular episode as well. It's possible that when everybody else flashed away or spaghettified away, she just opened up a temp pad and, you know, pieced out. Cause we know that she can spaghettify because we saw that at the end of the episode. And so maybe she just outran it. She took the temp pad, she jumped to a branch timeline and has just been chilling out there. What what kind of weirds me out though is that wouldn't she know that there's nowhere else to go? Like, wouldn't she know that her timeline will ultimately get erased like everybody else's? How would she know that? Well, she just destroyed the time loom and with it, everything. Yeah. I don't know. That's where I'm like, eh. I mean, when the time loom explodes, all the time loom or all the timelines are able to exist. So then she, can she just choose to be McDonald's Sylvie? And she just goes back there. She thought the power of brand integration would be strong enough to maintain that one timeline. No, this I mean, timeline is this is, branch is sponsored by McDonald's. It's not going anywhere <laughs> because we need this brand integration in order to finance the show. So contractually, they cannot turn the McDonald's into spaghetti. Right. Yeah. Because you can't get spaghetti at McDonald's. Exactly. Yeah. You can get fry guys, but you can't get, you can't, you get. <laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, when it's all said and done, obviously Sylvie does find out that everything is falling apart. And so she goes to join them. They've got all the pens back in the cup, as they say, and they're able to, uh, and in that moment, uh, as everybody is being eradicated, Loki finally gains control and is able to slip through time uh, more organically. He's no longer um, popping up here and there. It's it's not that he's traveling through time. He is forcing time around him. He has now become the center of the universe, quite literally. Where he goes from now, where he goes from there, who knows? As he says, he now has the ability to rewrite the story because he's no longer participating in an existing story and watching himself do so. He is now the author of all reality. He is the God King. I'm seeing a lot of people use uh, kind of the, the God of stories as kind of a lingo that's kind of popped up around him. Uh, the God of stories, by the way, exists in Norse mythology. It's a character called Bragi uh, or Bragi. And so I, I don't think that that's the case. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there, but that, that it already exists. Um, and it's not Loki. But but cool, cool, uh, you know, cool to throw around. We'll see. Maybe. Interesting. So everyone turns into spaghetti except for Loki. Loki's always the one that's just there. It's not even we're not even like, oh, Loki's about to turn into spaghetti. It's just like everyone else around him is disappearing. But could it be that because of he who remains or, you know, the story writer had it so that Loki couldn't be spaghettified? And then I thought about how at the beginning of the episode at the TVA, there's the over overhead speaker that says initiating failsafe code 12229 and i'm like is failsafe code 12229 that everyone like that loki is like now a permanent fixture like he can't disappear is that the failsafe code like if all literally all else fails loki stays because when he starts time slipping all those things like it's just loki there so wow I don't know. could be so many things there are so many threads that are left unlike tied that there no. I, I don't know how they're gonna do it all next week. But I tell you what, we're gonna we're gonna be theorizing and we're gonna be reading some more of your theories and your stabs in the dark uh, in just a few minutes. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with Stabs in the Dark. Ah! I assume there's no Taylor watch this week, right? Sadly, no. Okay, good. <laughs> not even not even a stretch. Well, we got, got we've got so much to cover. So that's that's uh that's probably for the best. 
All right, Lorraine. Uh, so I I put it out to Twitter and I asked folks, I was like, look, what are some of your craziest theories that you think are going to happen? And I should mention that this, we got a lot of this in before the actual episode aired. And so, you know, at least one of these, I think has been uh, proven wrong, unfortunately. But uh, let's see, back in Tim, what did back in Tim say? Loki will suddenly remember that he has frost giant powers that he hasn't used since the first Thor film. He will reflexively freeze the busted loom as the wave is about to wash over them. A la Captain Cold, the absolute zero of it all will more or less freeze time. Mm. Ah, interesting. That'd be good. I mean, I do feel like <laughs> the look, the fact that Loki is a frost giant seems to be completely like forgotten by everybody. <laughs> totally lost. Yeah. Except for what if that's the only place where we see the the one true Loki that is a frost giant. I, but I would like to see him come back at some point. Uh, let's you see, know, I was. Yeah. Well, on that note, like I was wondering when he comes back, how is he going to fix the loom? It seems like he just jumped back to right before it exploded. So, I mean, honestly, I could see it happening. Did he or did like so like that's the thing. I feel as though. I don't know. We're, 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 we will find out. OK, OK, because they've been in that room looking at the loom a couple of different times. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It in fact, be... there's been a lot of moments where I've almost kind of felt like they were very casually sitting there watching the whole thing melt down. I'm like, shouldn't y'all be like faster? I mean, I realize that time doesn't exist here, but isn't that the whole point? Time doesn't exist because that thing works. And once that thing stops working, you know, I mean, Obi spent of, like, a lot of time like making that replica of the room and was like, sorry, I didn't have time to like put little characters of us in it. And it's like, um, if everything's about to explode, shouldn't you be not worried about that? Right. Right. We could have whiteboarded this. Like we didn't, need yeah. the, we didn't. Need the, <laughs> the model. Oh man. All right. So, uh, at Wednesday comics also writes in, uh, with a, a stab in the dark again, this one is, I want to make mention this. This is pre this week's episode, uh, pre seeing what happened with Mobius this week's episode, but what do Wednesday comics say? Wednesday Comics said, how about one I've pushed? Mobius is not just a mild-mannered agent of the TVA. In his previous life, he was either the Beyonder or a known villain slash hero from the MCU comics, or the MU comics. I've made a list of characters including Psycho Man, Corvek, Miracle Man, aka Michael Morin, and or a hashtag Marvel variant. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Up until this week, that's a cool theory. But I, I think, I think... It's safe to say that he is he is in fact a very mild mannered uh, uh, jet, jet ski, ski salesman. salesman. Yeah, yeah. And uh, father of two, whose wife, if I had to guess, has been snapped away by Thanos. This is this is this is my thought anyway. But um, up until up until we got the the information this week, that was definitely a, a solid stab in the dark. What about for you, Lorraine? Uh, we got the final episode ahead of us. Uh, final stab in the dark for what's going to happen. Final stab in the dark. I mean, it sounds so lame, but. I feel like Loki is going to end up back in the room with He Who Remains and Sylvie and keep Sylvie from killing He Who Remains, which is why He Who Remains' final words are, see you soon, because he does so, so He Who Remains doesn't remember anything that happens after his death because he's about to die. But he's got all of the, you know, the fail safe code. He's got his plans with Miss Minutes. So he's like, okay, I've got everything in order. I'm pretty sure this is going to happen. Loki's going to come back and change it all. And then we'll just like reset the timeline. So that's why he doesn't know anything after his death. And that's why his last words are, see you soon, because they're about to pop back up uh, in his room when before Sylvie kills him. Fascinating. I would not be shocked if they ended back up in that room. The set has definitely played 
already this season and it would be uh it, it would not be surprising to see that that make a return uh i do think that we are going to see loki and probably sylvie create the tva i hope that along with that we will get the answer to what her nexus event was and maybe yes. it's related to without that there can be no tva and so it's oh, almost wow. like she chooses her horrible past i don't know how i feel about that but that might be I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like it, it gives ultimate agency to someone who felt they had none. And so there is something to be said about that, but we'll, we'll have to see if that's the direction they end up going with it. Um, I do think that we will see the, I will, I think we'll see that what we experienced on that branch timeline will be the origins of the TVA in some form or fashion. I think maybe that that timeline might be all that's left at the end of something or another. And that's where they, they build everything else around it. Um, force some out for Obi's marriage, uh, and, and universe, if that's the case. Uh, but, but I think that's, uh, I, I could see that. I, I could see that being, being the situation. And I think that we will, I think we will ultimately see Loki taking the throne. And mm. I think we will see him in more of a full, you know, like reinstituted, you know, God helmets gold and green in some form or fashion what the what the quote-unquote throne is i don't know i don't know if it's an off it might be a desk chair you know what i mean like i don't know exactly what it is but symbolically i think we will see him taking the throne and i think or at least i hope that when it's all said and done sylvie will be able to like have a branch of her own with all the mcdonald's she can eat so well we know mcdonald's will be a part of it Exactly. Regardless. Exactly. Contractually obligated to not get destroyed with the rest of the universe. That was that was the the literal deal with the devil that McDonald's made for uh, for Loki here. So there you go. Well, hey, uh, we got some uh, listener feedback this weekend. Uh, we got a lot. We don't have time to get into all of it, but I did want to read this one because this one is very important. And this one comes from Annie from New Orleans. Nola. Yeah. What did Annie say? This is coming to us from iTunes. They said, delighted to find a couple of local kids doing a Loki podcast. So funny that my first thought was, why don't they have any accents? Before I realized that you have my accent. Love (laughs) y'all. Thank you, Annie, for the love. Absolutely. Annie. Okay. Annie, 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 Annie. Thank you so much, not only for for tuning in, for listening, but for going over to iTunes and writing us a review. It is a great way to support this show and to support what we do. But Annie... We got, we got, we got something we want to ask you, Annie. We like Annie. First of all, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? That's a, that's a music reference right there. Annie, you'll appreciate this because we've talked about it before. Obviously, Lorraine and I, members of the crew of Loki, a sub crew of Chewbacca, uh, every single sub crew needs to have a red shirt. Now, a red shirt in the crew of Chewbacca is kind of like the the volunteer security handler for the each uh, each sub crew. And last year they paired it up, but paired us up with a very nice guy. We're not trying to say anything bad about him. He was very nice. He did his best to hang out and and keep up with us. We were a little crazy, but not like, not like New Orleans crazy. Just like we were just all over the place. We were Lokis. We were Lokis. We were mischievous. Uh, Anyway, so we were wondering, Annie, if you would be at all interested in being our red shirt this year. And, and look, we don't know what your situation is and everything else, but we're just, you know what? We're just, we're just putting it out there. If you're if that if that's of interest into you or if that is of interest to you, email the show show at lokitvtalk.com. Let's talk, because uh yeah, it'd be uh it'd be awesome to uh to to have 
you, dear listener, as a uh, as a red shirt for the crew of Loki. And I can't take credit for that idea. It was all the right. And we really appreciate your feedback. Absolutely. And hey, Thanks if you, uh, by the way, are listening and you want to leave us a review, head over to iTunes and do so. It's a great way to help out the show. Of course, if you've got theories or any other thoughts on the series as a whole, be sure to email that into the show. That is show at LokiTVTalk.com. That's going to do it for us for this week. We are going to stick around for just a few more minutes to talk some things crew of Loki. Uh, so if you're interested in that, stay tuned after the music. But until next time. For all time. Always. Yay! No longer for no time, never. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how, how the finale ends. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, Lo. So, a uh, couple things. First of all, you know this, but we have made our crew of Loki Lokified Milner of Golden Green, and it is looking quite nice. Couple things. First off, we've been on like throw, thinking through through throws, right? So, um, bookmarks and horns we're thinking about getting like some devil horns doing kind of some gold versions of them and having about i'm thinking maybe like a set of like 15 or 20 per person who's walking in the parade so that it'd be very much a specialty item so ideally it's 300 bookmarks per person like 10 horns per person and 50 beads per person with the specialty lokis did you see the picture that i sent you uh yeah they're really cute so we'll have the prototype made by the end of the day. Uh, my daughter has been working on them. She loves the, uh, I forget what they're called, but like they're like the little melted bead things where you kind of you know lay them all out and it's almost like pixel art. And then uh, you take an iron to them and they form a thing. And uh, they, they the, the kids had this idea of like, oh, we could turn this into like a specialty Mardi Gras bead. And we've got tons, tons of green beads specifically from years of the St. Patrick's Day parade in Jackson. And so from that standpoint, we actually have, uh, I think we have enough so that every single one of us would have 50 that are walking in the parade. Again, this would be a specialty item, uh, which by the way, by the way, Annie, if you're listening, we would, we would just give you, you get all of it. We would just yeah. give you all of it if you if you if you were our, our red shirt. So we're just and just, our bookmarks are awesome. Bookmarks are so cool. They're so cool. Um what are your thoughts on that? I think it's great. I mean, they're super cute. We need to make 300 of them. And uh, so the thought is that we would bring the beads and the things with us for Thanksgiving. Mm. And so when we're kind of doing the the party at our brother's house, who is also a member of the crew, Loki, shout out to John, uh, founding uh, founding member of the crew, Loki. We would we would basically we'd be working on making those. We'd have to kind of line them up to the pattern. Uh, we'd be, you know, two people would probably be ironing them as they come through to tie in the thing. And then, you know, we basically have to assembly line it a little bit, but you know, with, uh, with, with bourbon and which is a great choice and, uh, and we'll put on the guardians, uh, holiday special and all that kind of good stuff. Assuming that John and, uh, his lovely wife are, are, are comfortable with us doing that at their house. Yes. We'll have to get him on board. Also, you know, I'm not the best at the crafts. So this, I would need the easiest task. You might you might be more in with the with the ironing then from that standpoint. Okay. And the, to be to be fair, the kids are like they'll probably get a number of them done beforehand because they love okay. the idea that they're a- able to uh, uh, to participate. So especially yeah. with my oldest uh, really kind of driving the the crafting portion of it, and then of course my youngest, uh, our little DJ Floki, as uh, we have named her, 
because she's going to be uh, coming up with our playlist of music to be jamming out to, which unfortunately, because of the corruption of her aunt, is a lot of Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm I'm not corrupting. I'm uh, supporting. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Well, good deal. Well, um, once we have the uh, once we have the the final um, uh, prototype, I'm gonna take a picture of it and I'm gonna start a new uh, group with all of our spouses as well, as they will be Lokis this year. So we'll have our official crew of Loki group group chat going. Awesome. Sounds good. Oh, also we're thinking about getting a. Um, so I know we kind of kicked around the idea of doing like a golf cart. I think what we're thinking about doing is actually getting like a a cart for a bicycle. And oh. Christina's actually considering being a biking Loki. Oh, yeah. like with a, a cart in the back, like a wagon? Either a wagon in the back or one in the front. A wagon would probably be good. What I like is like the idea of like an ice, you know, one of those ice cream cart bi- bicycles. An ice cream cart bicycle. Yes. So I, I guess I don't actually know what is all involved. We're still kind of looking into that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to everybody who tuned into the live stream. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye.